Hello, and welcome to today's episode of You Better Hear Me. I am your host, Charlene McWilliams, and today I have a fantastic person with me. Well, you know that I don't know anything but fantastic people, so that's my adjective for everyone. She's wonderful, and I have the opportunity to share her with you today. Her name is Corey Tess Trujillo. I always mess up her last name but she's very kind. She's a sweet lady. She never really corrects me. She just goes on and does what she does. But Corey and I have known each other since we started working together back in 2005, 2006 with a mutual company I in the PR area. And she started doing branch development, I believe. And, and then she switched over to marketing, but I'll let her tell you how she got into marketing and I want her also to share with you today how she became an entrepreneur. Corey is the CEO, head lady in charge of, what's the name of your company again? <laughs> Synergy Maven. There you go. Synergy Maven. Isn't that cool? She's the Maven and she's creating Synergy. Correct. Beautifully branded name. So Corey, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yay. Ooh, I haven't, when was the last, we talked at the Christ, Christmas, oh no, we were on Fabi's podcast. And before that we had the Christmas party, the virtual event that you did. Yes, definitely. Our virtual uh, scavenger hunt and happy hour and it was yes. a lot of fun, but I don't yeah, even remember the last time I saw you in person. That's... I know, I know. Since you coast to coaster, uh, Corey was known for picking up and moving from LA to Charlotte and from Charlotte to LA. She would pick up in a minute, her and her cats, and she'd leave <laughs> town. Bye. I'll see you later. And, and <laughs> wouldn't miss a beat. It was like nothing for her. Just move cross country. So that was one of the things I always thought was cool about Corey. She, she would just go if she, you know, felt the need to. But like I said, I want her to talk a little bit about her story in getting involved in marketing. And maybe she can give you some pointers on how to start your own business and how to step out on, out on, out on faith, out on whatever you want to call it, just getting the conad, gonads to, to do it. So Corey, I will let you talk a little bit. Sounds good. Well, I am uh, excited to talk to you about this. I am really passionate about um, just about the idea of opportunity. And I always tell people when a door opens, I walk through it. Like, I don't question it. I don't go, well, where does that lead? What might happen? What are the risks? And sometimes it's a good thing. And sometimes it's a bad thing. Um, I've lived in Charlotte. I've lived in Ohio. I always tell people I lived in Ohio, Columbus area, and no tea, no shade on Ohio, but um, it was great in a lot of ways. I just didn't make it through a second winter. I made it through one winter, 11 months. I forgot about that. Yeah. It was a great opportunity. Um, I got to work with some amazing people. They relocated me. And it just turned out that I couldn't drive in the snow. I wasn't made for snow. I'm Southern California native. I just... I kind of was like, uh-oh, winter's coming again. I'm out of here. I was like, I'm going to move down to Charlotte where the winter is like one weekend of snow or something, you know? So if that, yeah. Uh, yeah. And now I'm back in Southern California in my home here uh, in Anaheim, but I've also lived in Arizona and Phoenix and I've done extended periods of time um, overseas and things like that. But it's, I see it as more 
what kind of allowed me to move into being more of a small business owner and an entrepreneur. And that is just a focus on opportunity and just mm -hmm. being excited about what comes next. So I think when I, um, when people ask me about moving into the, being like a, an owner versus being uh, in the employee mindset, I always tell them like, I heard this quote a long time ago by of all people, Will Smith. And Will Smith said, there's no reason to have a plan B because it distracts from plan A. So when mm. I, yeah, when I went to move into being a business owner, I was like, I had always had an, an agency. I had always had um, uh, kind of the freelance or the gig uh, sort of thing coming from events and, and doing different types of production. That's always available, but I'd never made it my plan A. Right. So I think that's, that's the moment everything changed was when I said, I don't, I need the, my plan B to be my plan A and I need it to kind of be a do or die moment where it's, it's going to work or it's not, I'm not going to do it halfway. So. Right. Right. I remember uh, you being encouraged to do it for years, you know, we always seeing your work and seeing what good work that you did for companies and, 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 and saying she should go into business for herself and she could share all this wonderful goodness with other folks. So how long, did it take for you to finally make the jump into becoming a, a business owner? Well, you're right. A lot of people would say, you know, well, you should start a business. Or you should turn this into a business. And since I was very young, I've always been an inventor or a creator. Mm -hmm. and sadly, I've never had a partner that's kind of like an engineer or something like that. You have no <laughs> idea how many things I invent all the time. And, and somebody else rolls them out, creates them. It's like, you know, you have the, this idea to create, and that's been in my head for so long that right. when people said like, you should do what you do, but do it yourself and mm -hmm. move into this other space. I just never had that moment where it was like, now's the time. And I kind of wish I'd done it sooner. Um, I just enjoyed my work so much and I've always enjoyed working. I love working. Um, the other day people were talking about retirement and things like that. And somebody said, I can't imagine you retired. And I instantly said, well, I'm not going to retiring. I'm going to write a mystery show and I'm going to be like Jessica Fletcher. I'm going to produce my own mystery show. And I'm old and people are like, oh my gosh, you, you're crazy. You know, I'm just like, I, I have to have like work. Something. I have to have it, you know? So I think that it was spurred by a situation where I was just being headhunted by multiple companies. And then I said, you know, this is probably the moment because Mm -hmm. um, at this point, I can say, well, I can do this for everybody. If I, you know, bring on employees, if I open my own company, if I am able to open all these verticals and have additional people working for me, but it is scary. There's a mm -hmm. moment where you go, wait a second. I, um, if this fails, it's all on me. Like there's nobody to point a finger at Right. to go, well, uh, Hey, what do we do at this point? This isn't working. It's you. So some people are going to be coming to you going, oh, this isn't working. What do we do? Oh, this person isn't happy. How do you want to handle that? This, you know, we need to supply this or we need to do that. We need to meet these multiple deadlines. Mm -hmm. Everyone's at you and pointing at you. And so you have to um, rise to the occasion. And I think that that's the moment at which you go, do I want to make this my plan A? And I think that um, I read somewhere that the, the main fear of moving into opening your own business is the the fear that you have nobody to kind of go to for that mm -hmm. support. 
And I think that small business networks are huge. You know, um, for me, I'm in a, a lot of uh, groups for minority owned businesses and for women owned businesses. I get that support from others in the same vertical or in the same type of position. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can share information on things where you just get confused because we all have our talents. My talents lie in events and creativity and production, and they don't lie in HR, accounting, you know, kind of tax preparation, all the things you have to do for a company. Those are not my talents. So you have to reach out to other small business owners and go, what company do you use? How do you handle this? When do you start to prepare these types of reports? And people are willing to, small business owners especially are willing to share information with each other. Um, it's one community that's super, super supportive. Oh, that, that's great. So what kind of, you said you're a member of many groups. Are they on social media or do you, you know, how do you guys, how did you find them and how do you stay in touch with them? Well, I think during the pandemic, it's been a little bit different, but mm-hmm. before that it had been everything from meetup.com to your local, um, you know, uh, business bureaus and, um, Facebook as well. Now it's a lot more virtual, um, I actually recently just moved to using Clubhouse and mm-hmm. super popular app. And um, I met a lot of people in the virtual events world and in the marketing world that I just didn't know, had no connection with, but we connected over Clubhouse based solely on the topic of discussion, which was uh, event planners in the virtual space or, mm-hmm. um, you know, marketers uh, looking to, you know, for more uh, ways to engage people uh, during the pandemic. And, so that's a new, sort of a new, uh, fresh way to do it, but definitely social media groups and, um, and uh, associations. Um, I think it doesn't always have to be about being either a woman or minority business owner. It could be about your location or mm-hmm. your industry. Obviously, you know, restaurants are having a hard time right now. Small businesses, yeah. they kind of band together to sort of share tips and, and share networking on how to handle things or how to um, pivot their business. And, um, so I think it's super important. I can't stress that enough. If you're going out on your own or you're starting your business, don't, don't feel alone, reach Mm -hmm. out to other business owners. And as with anything, reach out to people who are more successful than you, and Mm -hmm. they will likely be receptive to giving you advice and then do the same thing. Like do the same thing with people who, once you start to become successful are less successful, take the time to teach them the lessons you learned and help them to avoid those pitfalls. And I think then it, I, in the small business um, community, I've noticed that's just sort of a, the way it works is that when you start to have things working for you, you turn around and help somebody else who might be struggling and, and try to advise them or try to support them. Yeah. It's like you reap what you sow, you know, you yeah. will come back to you if you're giving out. I think I like that sense of community um, in the small business world and entrepreneurial world where people are willing to help one another. Uh, that's how, you know, I got started doing this podcast, you know, um, I've been, you know, encouraged to do this for years before podcasts became popular. I was told, oh, use your voice on a podcast. I was like, what? So um, I I know exactly what you mean by being able to tap into a network and be receptive to what they have to say and then give it back when the opportunity arises. I think that's very important. But you said something very important too about um, being able to pivot. 
Uh, you mentioned pivoting during uh, the pandemic and, and changing over uh, to a different sort of business. Can you talk a, a little bit more about your mindset about being flexible? Because sometimes I think if, if like you're saying, if we get that plan A and it doesn't work, what do we do? Well, in this instance, you have your plan A, it's working, but you're going to have to kind of tweak it a little bit based on what's going on uh, with the pandemic. So talk a little bit about how you had to be flexible and how you approach the pivot. Sure thing. So I think we never, I've had to pivot several times since opening my business, but none of them as dramatic as what happened with uh, COVID mm. it, um, and the pandemic. It just was um, sort of pure panic for a moment to think like, okay, what will happen to some of my clients? And while some of my clients had a lot of issues, others started to have um, uh, an influx of business, you know, right. uh, certain industries just blew up. Um, obviously the mortgage industry was one of them. And so several clients in that vertical just were gangbusters. However, the problems that they faced were different because initially everyone needed outbound marketing. Everybody was doing outbound events. Everybody was doing uh, all sorts of different events from president's clubs to conferences to, um, you know, all kinds of campaigns to gain mm -hmm. business. Suddenly in that vertical, nobody needed business, but they needed a way to stay engaged. They needed mm -hmm. a way to, for retention. They needed to be able to recruit they needed to be able to move everybody to remote working. They, there were so many things that changed that I was able to pivot my business from live events, in-person uh, outbound marketing to um, everything virtual and everything that could be done with everyone in a separate location. So everything from mailer boxes uh, with kits and with um, where, you know, things would be sent out to everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. I give them an experience of being at an event to oh, yes. virtual happy hours, to virtual gaming, um, trivia games, bingo, um, you know. Family feud. Exactly, family <laughs> feud, um, you know, conferences and events and even trade shows and job fairs and all this sort of thing. We just moved it virtual and it wasn't instant, but um, it took time and then it took a little bit of a learning process and now it's something we can add to our uh, list of things we've done. Um, uh, I have a, an event in, uh, you know, internationally now that's going to be doing done virtually. And so it's sort of like you become the expert, even though initially you had no idea how to do any of that. Right. Well, um, how did, well, how did you learn how to do it then? I mean, you had no idea how to do it. Did you just say, okay, I need to make this switch. I need to do some research. I need to talk to somebody. How do you make that switch? Because I know for, you know, like you were saying, you, you're, you, there's a minute of panic. What do I do? Well, I, it was a mixture of a lot of research. Initially, I just started mm -hmm. searching and I did, I probably spent two full weeks doing demos of everything on the market. Oh, wow. Most of these companies were trying to uh, come up. It was just going to be a, a sort of a free for all as to who was going to be the zoom of the space. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it, it, it turned out to be zoom, but there are many supporting technologies that work with zoom to kind of augment it. And I had to find the best of the best and then find a way to bridge it all together. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of research. It took a lot of demos. It took a lot of sitting through a lot of conference calls, asking a lot of questions. 
And then finally being like, these are my, these are my go-to people. These are the people that are, you know, and I'm going to meld this all together with my creativity and what I know about what people want and make that synergy, which is what I'm good at and lace this all together in a fully functional way. So that when the client comes to it, they literally come to it and go, I want to do this, this, this. And they don't worry about how I'm making it happen in the background. I'm kind of right. like, okay, this is what it costs. This is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to facilitate it. They say go and we make it happen. Um, but all of that kind of took a long time to sort of research. And then working with people, you sort of learn what mm-hmm. you can do, what you can't do, what pitfalls you run into. Um, like with anything else, you learn by making a couple mistakes initially. And right. going, okay, we're having to like, really run that back really quick and fix it. And sometimes it's a lot of panicking on the back end, but nobody knows anything from the <laughs> customer perspective, which is the ideal situation is where you make it happen, even if it meant you guys were running around and back on making it happen. Right. And that happens at live events. So it's yeah, not yes. there exactly where you go, okay, this didn't arrive or a shipment got stuck or whatever. You're like, well, we're going to do this, this and that, and we're going to make this work and nobody's the wiser, but that's kind of your job is to make everybody think that it came off without a hitch, even though that's impossible humanly, you know? Right. Right. Like the back scenes, MacGyver, the MacGyver back in the back office, working through things. Oh, definitely. A lot of MacGyvering um, in uh, in the virtual and in the real world. So it was a lot of research. And then it was sort of finding those people you could rely on, which Mm -hmm. I think is huge in small business and probably just in business in general is um, making yourself someone people can rely on and count on and then finding people that can prop up that platform for you. So Mm -hmm. when somebody uh, ongoing, whether it's a vendor I use or a person that I have, if they are not, cannot be relied upon, that directly affects my ability to be relied upon. So they don't get, you know, uh, they don't get my business either because then, um, and one thing I can say about being a small business owner is it's no longer you will work harder for yourself than you've ever worked for any company you've ever worked for. And I'm a hard worker. I mean, I, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I put in like 200% for anybody I've ever worked with, but when you work for yourself, you need to like kind of dismiss that whole work life balance thing Mm. because you will work harder for yourself um, than you've ever worked for anybody. And it will be because it's your name on the line. Right. Right. I I will attest to the fact that, you work hard. I mean, many a night we've, I remember staying up until one o'clock working on projects with you. Yeah. So I, I can attest to the fact that she does work hard. <laughs> yeah. We had fun, but she also worked, worked really, really hard. Well, that's, that's something too, that people I think might not understand about going into business for themselves. Uh, they, they might see the freedom of it, but they don't necessarily understand the the true commitment of putting that work-life uh, balance thing out the window. You've got to just live this and breathe this at all times. Give us a little bit more details about how you made that, how, you, how you're making that work for you. Well, I think that initially when you first start, you you need to be in a place where it can be your priority. Mm-hmm. So I think when you first begin, um, there's a few things that I would recommend set attainable goals. Um, I always tell people like, make sure the car can drive and then worry about painting it and putting rims on, <laughs> freaking it out later. Just make sure it runs. 
That's that uh, California but, stuff, chicken stuff out. That's what you want. <laughs> I don't want to do that all the time. Exactly. Hydraulics and stuff. Exactly. A lot of people, the first thing they do, and it cracks me up because I'm in marketing, but the first thing they do is like, I've got to perfect my logo and I've got to perfect <laughs> my look. And that is important, but you have to know what you're selling first. You know, you have to make sure you've got the content, the meat, the product, whatever it is, it actually has to be, because we can actually make up for mm-hmm. a logo that's not so great, or you can make up for maybe like your tagline isn't the best or you know, if you look at a lot of businesses and you look at their progression of the look of their company or their mm-hmm. brand over time, they begin to simplify the brand over time. And that's because what the brand doesn't tell people about you, the brand supports what people come to know about you. Mm-hmm. So if they know, you know, uh, they know Walmart is something and they know Target is something and they know McDonald's is something, they know Starbucks is something, it doesn't matter what the logo looks like that's not going to change what people think of those brands experiences. So I think that people have to get away from kind of being like, I need to get into all this kind of stuff. When you, when you make it your priority, start to think about what is the actual engine of it? What's going to make it run? What can I do to make sure that whatever service I'm offering, I can actually functionally make that happen and turn a profit doing so. Um, and then just set that priority, make sure your goals are attainable. Like don't have goals that are so crazy that you're such a perfectionist that you'll actually never make it happen. And then you'll become discouraged and you'll say, oh, it was a dumb idea to go into business for myself. No, you just set a goal that probably would take any normal business 10 years to reach. And you wanted to reach it in six months, impossible set it, set a real goal that you can reach in six months so that you can tick it off. And then 10 years from now, you can have that per the perfection that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get caught up in the, in the super, super details or perfection. Just get the car out of the garage, get it running, get it, get it going before you work on, you know, tricking it out. But, um, and then I would say the other thing is with work-life balance, um, just accept that for a while, you're not going to be able to delegate anything, mm-hmm. but when the time comes to delegate, just make sure you're choosing your people wisely. If you take the time to sort of get into the weeds yourself, you'll know what needs to be done. And you'll know when you are ready to delegate, you'll be able to do it. And you'll know the right person or the right team to take it on. Because I think a lot of times people, you know, they, they, they get so into something that they just feel like they can never give it to somebody else. They're like, oh, nobody will do it the way I do it. Nobody's right. going to going to, you know, I can't trust people with that. And I would say eventually with business, you want to be making decisions only, mm-hmm. you don't, and you want to be working on what's next. You want to be constantly able, you want to get to a place where you can say what I'm working on is what's next. And my people are working on what I have, what used to be what's next, but I've already, you know, kind of created that I've mm-hmm. worked out and I've delegated to them and they're maintaining it. And they're killing it at that. But I'm always looking at what's next so I can develop it. You should never get caught in a cycle of forever doing the the, um, the tactical stuff, the tactical or the repetitive. Exactly. It, you'll, you can't grow that way. Right. So I um, think more strategic. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think as a small business owner, I think at some point your business crosses that line into being medium to large size. And at that point, uh, small business owners, true entrepreneurs often sell their company to start something else, or it becomes a larger company and they take a smaller role or backseat into it. 
But mm -hmm. as a small business owner, you should always think that you're going, it's going to be among your top priorities right there along with your belief system, your values, your family. Um, it's going to be something that is not quite equal to that, but is right up there with it. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it if you're in a place where you've got a ton of commitments that are really, really important at that time. But if you can kind of get yourself to a place where you're like, I'm ready to really focus on this, mm -hmm. it's very rewarding. And it's, it's great to be able to kind of say, well, I may never be officially on vacation because since I started my business, I've never taken an official vacation. My laptop goes everywhere with me. And mm -hmm. the first question I ask is, do they have Wi-Fi? <laughs> <laughs> How's your Wi-Fi connection here? <laughs> and, it, and it's funny because a lot of times friends will be like, well, we're going to go on this day excursion. I'm like, but the resort, okay, so the resort has Wi-Fi, but the excursion doesn't like, okay, so can we move that to the weekend? So it's a Saturday weekend. and it's kind of annoying, you know, but, but I mean, I, I live my life within those, those. Right. Kinds of but the and your friends know, your friends know, do you have a hotspot with you? I mean, you know, they, <laughs> people that respect your friends will respect that. Exactly. And I think that in this day and age, that's the great thing is as long as you aren't actually making and selling widgets that you need to be there <laughs> in real life to do or something like, you know, obviously you can't do virtual if you paint houses or things like that. Right. But, um, but for certain types of businesses, it really is great that we can do business pretty much from anywhere. And it's right. getting more and more like that with Zoom and with other things where you can literally be like, um, hey, I'm going on this conference call. So let me step away from the pool and go <laughs> throw on a cover up and go back to the room and be on a conference call and then put together some proposals and then head back over to meet you guys. And that's the kind of vacations I take. So I think right. that people need to, uh, you know, back when we're going to be able to take vacations again, <laughs> that is right, right. Another person, but, um, but it's, it's manageable. So I would mm -hmm. say just know that you're not going to have what people classically think of as the work-life balance, but I feel that it, it, for me, it's been very rewarding. So, so how many people do you have working for you right now or work, well, at, working for you and then working with you? Well, at any given time, it, um, and I'm a small business, so at any given time, it could be 30 people, but um, I would say with contractors and vendors, we perform more like you know, a company of maybe 50 to hundred people. Mm -hmm. So it is, uh, that's why it's super important to know who you're working with and to make sure that those people can, um, be produce. Yeah. And be, produce yeah. And be relied on. So yeah. my thing is I use a lot of people who I've known throughout the years, almost everybody who works with me, I worked with them at some point in my career, or I, I've known them for a very, very long time. Right. So bringing on new people is always, uh, that's one of the hardest things is sourcing and bringing on uh, people to actually join your team versus vendors. I bet vendors really, really well as well. But mm -hmm. with somebody that you're bringing on to actually work closely with you, um, you know, one person can kind of throw the whole culture and the whole system off. So mm -hmm. I take extra time to really get to know somebody and to make sure that they have the same value system and commitment that I have, because I understand it's not their business. They're not going to love it the way I love it. I understand right. that, but I always make sure that they, um, that they have the same kind of ethics and value I have for work. A lot of people like to clock in and clock out and mm -hmm. they're, 
they, you know, and that's fine too, you know, no shade on that. If right, right. like I, it's 4.55 and I leave at five. So I'm like shutting off my computer so that I can literally be gone out of the door of the building <laughs> at five or out of the parking lot of the building. Right, um, right. I mean, at the door. Exactly. No shade on that. That is, is just a different mindset. My mindset right. is literally that sometimes I work and I don't notice that it's time to stop until it's gotten completely dark in my office and I have to turn a light on. Because right. Like coming in the windows. I'm like, oh, okay. It's kind of late, you know, and I, maybe I won't look up until I realize that. And, right. um, you know, there's lots of people who love, love the process and the work and the creativity as much as I do. So I sort of look to source those types of people, but for a lot of things there are also, you know, people that it's, it's great to kind of give them one thing to do and that's what they do. And mm-hmm. they have other commitments, family and and other, uh, you know, interests that are much more higher priority. And we just manage those on a deadline basis, sort of being like, this is your piece of puzzle. I don't expect you to be overly passionate because your piece of puzzle is very much sort of a repetitive um, item and there's roles for that as well. So um, I think it's just kind of gauging each person. Right. You know, and- yeah, and their strengths and, and playing on their strengths. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. And I really like to find, um, for my team, I really like to find also gig, um, gig workers. And this doesn't work Mm -hmm. for every small business, but gig workers are really good for when you find people who they want to backfill some part of their income or they Mm -hmm. want to backfill some part of their creativity. And maybe they have a full-time job elsewhere, but it's not fulfilling their creativity to do something a little more fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they've taken on a corporate job and they want to get into making club flyers or, you know, back when clubs were open and, uh, or they wanted to do, you know, they've just like, I've just never been able to get back into producing like video commercials or things like that. And so I love to do that because people get to get that creativity out of them, but they, right. they also don't need you to bring them on full time and have a full insurance package and be, make them a full-time employee in any way. They literally are like, look, just send me a gig now and then. And as long as you've got everything in place for the script and, you know, they use my resources that I have. And, um, you know, it's it's super easy to also sort of, depending on your type of business, to find people who can um, work project-based and then become more familiar with the talents of all those people around you so that you can, you be the manager and the traffic controller, but people around you can... um, also, you know, benefit and help grow your business while they still maintain, um, you know, whatever their other priorities are. So that's right. all, it, it's very popular nowadays. It's sort of like uh, the Uber, you know, mm-hmm. type thing, or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For people to, in this society, to want to branch out and to want to gig a little bit so that they can, um, you know, and sometimes that turns into a full-time. I've had people who've just been like, oh, I'm just looking for this kind of project and, mm-hmm. Know, and then they turn into something full time or something greater because they're like, I really like working with you. I love these projects. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And then that grows into something else. So right. it's, uh, it allows exposure on both sides. So don't shy away from gig workers. Just see like, you know, what types of projects and just make sure you're heavily involved with um, management, you know, and right. set, setting expectations. Yeah. And communicating clearly what you're expecting. I think that's one thing too. It- yeah. That people sometimes miss. Yeah. Well, great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Corey, this has been fascinating. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And the fact that you are a woman owning a business and handling her business, handling her business is 
is just a, you know, a, a, a cherry on the top uh, because I've seen you grow from working for someone else into developing your, your own business. And you do, you mentioned the script writing. I forgot about that. Writing scripts, you're out there in Hollywood. We need to collaborate. Maybe we okay. could have our own, our own show and then be on the Golden Globes, girl. Yes. Yes, definitely. And that's another thing. Always have something that you find that is pure joy for you. I think that's a big part of it too. So screenwriting, and that's what I initially wanted to do with my career at the very beginning. It, that sort of went into TV and commercials and that sort of went into events and it just sort of led, mm-hmm. led a different direction than what I thought. But um, I've never made it my plan A and that's sort of my retirement plan. Um, but I do love it. I have a great passion for it. And so I think that that's also something like whatever your passion is. Um, I know that you, you ride motorcycles, Charlene. I mean, whatever your passion is, like, I think you have to have that in order, especially as a business owner, but anybody, I just, you know, make sure you have something that kind of brings you joy that you can do. Um, whether it's turning a profit or whether it's helping your business at any moment, it's something that you love to do and keeps you, keeps your brain sharp and keeps you happy, you know? Right. Keeps you going. Keeps you, yeah. Keeps you in, engaged. Makes you know that you're alive as opposed to just existing, going from exactly. one thing to the other. That's the thing. Know that you are alive. Well, Corey, thank you so much for joining us today. And you better hear me when I tell you, you can step out on your own and start your own business. You just have to make sure you have some, have, have a group, you know, or touch base with some people who have done it before, have a mentor and don't be afraid if it, if it doesn't work and focus on it as the plan A only, like Corey said, but make sure you put your passion and you're, you're very passionate about it and, and it can come to fruition. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for having me. Of course, lady, of course. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on You Better Hear Me.